Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Melvin, and it's too hot outside. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by Carter Bennett of the popular Christian movie review Instagram account, at Film Junkie Reviews, and the two of us will be discussing Alan Yang's Tiger Tale. Tiger Tail released around the beginning of that big worldwide event that I can't say out loud without algorithms shutting down my podcast. And while there were two Netflix properties released around that time with the word Tiger in it, Tiger Tail really got the short end of the stick. I guess when you get right down to it, the United States is far more interested in gawking at the bizarre characteristics of human depravity than watching a challenging film about immigration and growing up. But who am I to judge? Besides, I have Carter Bennett for that, and he can make all the judgments. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I had completely forgotten that Tiger Tail and Tiger King released around the same time until now, and re-recorded this episode a few days ago, so I guess that was a missed opportunity for some good material. Oh well. Like I said, Carter Bennett is visiting with us again. You may remember him as the guest on our last patron-voted movie discussion, I Am Legend. If you haven't heard that one already, go give it a listen. If not, that's cool too. Just be sure to check out Carter's Instagram Film Junkie Reviews for some great Christian movie reviews. In this episode, Carter and I talk about how Tiger Tail was a breath of fresh air after what was turning out to be a lackluster year for movies, what with the aforementioned worldwide event going on. Then we talk about the difficulty of tackling past experiences and traumas in pursuit of becoming a better man, while also recognizing the unique difficulties immigrants face in transitioning from one culture to another. And finally, Carter and I gauge the value of Tiger Tail as a stepping stone for learning about the immigrant experience. But before we get into that, I should make sure you know what Tiger Tail is all about. I'll read a slight adaption of what's written on IMDb, as I feel the original synopsis gives way too much away. And apologies ahead of time if I pronounce these names wrong. Pin Yui is a free-spirited yet impoverished young Taiwanese factory worker who makes the difficult decision to leave his homeland behind in order to seek better opportunities in America. However, years of monotonous work and growing pride leave Pin Yui solemn and stoic, a mere shadow of his former self. Now a much older man, Pin Yui recalls the memories that have led him to his current state, thinking on past regrets, traumas, and missed opportunities 
all while seeking to reconcile his relationship with his daughter, Angela. Tiger Tail is rated PG for some thematic elements, language, smoking, and brief sensuality. I'm not specifically sure what thematic elements are being referenced here in the certification, but typically it's a warning toward anything that may be emotionally challenging or intense. In that case, there's one scene in the beginning involving a child hiding in a cabinet, and throughout the movie are dramatic scenes between characters that don't get along. I can't recall what language was used, but nothing extraordinary. Perhaps one of the reasons I don't recall the language is because half of the movie is in a foreign language, and therefore subjected to subtitles. That's not to say I wouldn't have heard or read any, but I will say there's nothing that particularly sparked my nerves. Also, I apologize for not being specific, as not even IMDb's parents guide has been updated to include the level of language in this film. There is a fair amount of smoking throughout the movie, so that's accurate. And the brief sensuality has to do with a moonlit evening at a lake. The scene has implied undertones, and the latter half of it sees a woman with her blouse open with underwear beneath. It's not gratuitous in the least. Now before we head into our Tiger Tail discussion, I wanted to share real quick that if you've come to enjoy Cinematic Doctrine, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or a thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. Apart from that, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a website for independent content creators to raise support for their work. By creating an account on Patreon, you can select a content creator you like and support them with a monthly donation. If you enjoy Cinematic Doctrine and would like to support the show, consider donating, as it helps cover the cost of producing the podcast. And as a bonus, if you support Cinematic Doctrine for as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss or review on the podcast. You also gain access to the Syndoc Pre-Show, the upcoming Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check them out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. Also, just a quick plug, my wife Catherine wrote a companion piece to our Pure Flix Samson review. The blog post is hosted at cinematicdoctrine.com, and it is titled Three Huge Issues with That Pure Flix Samson Movie and Why They Matter. You guys should totally check it out. I'm so proud of her and the work she put into it, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the read. And be sure to check out Carter Bennett's Instagram, Film Junkie Reviews. The popular movie review Instagram you can follow for reviews of recent, classic, and favorite films, all from a Christian worldview. Saved by Grace, Carter's ready to tackle the themes and messages, no matter what the film. A link to his Instagram will be available in the show notes. Without further ado, here's our thoughts on Tiger Tail. Carter Bennett, popular Instagram user, Film Junkie Reviews. Welcome back to the Sindoc Podcast. How's it going, man? Melvin, thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to be back, doing well, doing well today. Um, just, yeah, excited to be talking about Tiger Tail. Also want to call out Pop Theo. I don't even know you guys, but we did it last time. We're going to do it again. <laughs> Calling out Pop Theo. They're going to have to have you on now. Uh, you know, I, I'd be okay with that. Maybe we can Maybe we can play some Smash Bros, you know, settle some things. I think Smash Bros <laughs> would be the best way to settle this. So, yeah, man. No, super, super excited to be back and excited to talk some Tiger Tail. So before we get started, why don't you tell everybody where you're at? 
Yeah. So uh, currently you guys can find me at film junkie reviews, film underscore junkie underscore reviews on Instagram. Uh, just a movie recount, movie review account that I run um, and kind of set against the backdrop of the Christian worldview. So uh, check me out. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. He's dating back, I guess, a couple years now. And you've reviewed a lot of movies. You put up a lot of like, I think I recent, I mean, not recently, I guess it's a couple months now. But when you're on the internet, it feels so soon. Um, you had like a top 2020 list and every or top 2019 list and stuff. So like, yeah, it's people should definitely check you out. And I love I love how you engage people in your comments section, too, because sometimes you'll get you'll write a review for something, but then knowing like you're a Christian movie <laughs> review account, you'll share some things about like a film that made you think about something in your life. Think about God, think about whatever. And like, sometimes people in your comment section get like annoyed by that. And you don't, you don't let that just like, you don't let that really hit you. You kind of are like, well, this is an opportunity for me to share some things. And and uh, maybe I won't change this person's mind, but there might be somebody lurking who's going to be seeing this comment thread and see what, you know, what I have to say about God and Jesus and stuff. So I love that. And people should definitely, definitely go check you out. You know what? What was the last one that that happened? Because I think I texted you because I saw it. Yeah. And I texted you like, dude, people are going wild. <laughs> <laughs> Melvin, thanks for those comments, man. Like, I, So one thing that the Lord has really put on my heart is, you know, Always be ready to give it a reason for the hope that you have and do it in love. And, you know, in this, I see this as a ministry opportunity. I, I love movies, but I feel like, you know, everything that, that all our talents, everything can be used to the glory of God, as I know you believe that too. And I think that it's just a really cool platform where I do, where people, I don't know, I don't know why, but they want to listen to me when it comes to that. And, you know, so I want to use that platform well. And one thing that I've seen, Melvin, as I've got, as I've done this, that maybe it wasn't the guy that I was engaging with, who I was sharing the gospel, who I have to remember myself, that would be me without the grace of God. I would not know Christ as, as this person who's attacking me. You know, we, we were talking about the way back review that I did. That's right. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it opened up a lot of conversation about addiction and, you know, Christ has a lot to say about that. And that definitely led to some heated conversation, but I, what I have to remember is I want to be a good steward of what God, God has given me. And then also it might not be the guy I'm talking to who's, you know, uh, totally suppressing the truth, which is, that's what Romans two and three says. Like we all know God, but actually we're suppressing the truth. That was you and I, before we came to know Christ Melvin and, and it's ultimately Christ who does that work. It's grace. And so I have to remember, Hey, this is where I would be without that. And then also, you know, many people are looking at it, even if they don't like the comment or they don't uh, necessarily engage with the post. Lots of there's there are a good amount of people um, looking at it. And so, yeah, I just want to steward it well. But amen to that. It can be exciting sometimes just because I do want the name of, of Christ to be glorified in everything. And I think filtering it through the Christian worldview, people might think, well, that's biased. It's like, well, everybody's coming from a worldview. And, and so yeah. for me. The Christian worldview is the it's the only thing that makes sense of everything that we see around us. So well, it's one of the things I keep mentioning in like a comment thread where if I share something, they say, "Don't you know they have an agenda?" And I'm like, 
the first step of critical analysis is knowing where they're coming from. So yes, yes <laughs> of course they're coming from an agenda. Mm-hmm. And of course I have one too. Of course this podcast has one. The person who's listening has one. It's like, what does it mean to say this thing exists? Like, okay, what's, what are you going to do with that? So yeah, it's it, neutrality doesn't exist. Yeah. That. There's no such thing. You're, you're just, you always have, everybody has a position. Yep. Yeah, so definitely go check out Carter's stuff, especially even his Wayback Review, if you want to see how he does it, how he handles people <laughs> flaming him. Because you know what? One of the things that if anybody connects with Christian circles online or in social media, it's very easy to get bogged down by those who mishandle or misrepresent our king online or get angry or get nasty. And, it, and it's always just a breath of fresh air to witness somebody who knows that on social media, you're still talking to real people, image bearers, yeah. people who might know Christ in the future because we just don't know. And that's the key, man. Like, yeah, image bearers, you know, are we the ones who save or is it Christ? And and we know it's Christ and all we're called to do is just be the, the planter. And if it's his will, he'll grow it. And Amen. so, yeah, I, I think that that's that's so crucial. You know, image bearers, we're called to love all image bearers and loving them also includes sharing the truth, you know, and sharing, sharing Christ. So amen to that. Now, I guess we've, we should really start digging into Tiger Tail, though. Yeah. I always I always feel whenever I go through editing, I'm like, why am I the first one who shares what I think? So I'm going to pass this off to you, Carter. Why don't you tell me? Um, why don't you tell me what you thought of Tiger Tail? If you've had any experience with Alan, director Alan Yang before. And uh, yeah, what you, would you think? Yeah. So I'll start with this was really a breath of fresh air. I, I, I really enjoyed this. I wasn't expecting much as this is a first or second director. Uh, feature film director. I saw one other credit on his IMDb, but I wasn't sure. I had never heard of it. But I, I know that he's done a good amount of TV. Have not have no experience with any of his TV. I heard his TV leans more uh, comedic, but I thought that this was just a really kind movie. At the same time, I had I struggled with the protagonist. There was there were things with the protagonist as he ages that. I don't know. It's just hard for me to connect with um, such a distant protagonist who seems so apathetic. That was uh, some of my issues with it. But I think, you know, for what it was, for it being a second or first film, you know, I I think that Yang really handled himself well here. And really, Edward Yang is all over this Alan Yang film. I really saw a lot of (laughs) Edward Yang, if you've ever seen Things like Yee Yee and A Brighter Summer Day. Even saw a little Wong Kar Wai in there. Some of it felt a little bit like Chungking Express, if you've ever seen that. Just with the, when it come, when it came to the main character's romance, he was young. So when it comes to movies of 2020, this is <laughs> upper echelon. That might not be saying much, but still, I, I enjoyed this. Well, it was either this or Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> that's it man yep it's either that or sonic you got it <laughs> which which my goodness the jokes online about when the oscars come for 2021 it's just sonic the hedgehog cleans house because it's the only other movie that's come out <laughs> yeah oh that's my dream jim carrey gets best supporting actor absolutely yeah. <laughs> well deserved <laughs> Yeah, for, for Tiger Tail, I, I really enjoyed this myself, too. I think your description of it being a very kind movie is really sweet. It actually made my heart feel really good because there is something really kind about this movie with a lead character who is 
cowardly and weak and constantly afraid. He's sort of this character where you always know what he should be doing, but he just never does it. And it's not one of those situations like like an uncut gems where the character is constantly <laughs> doing the worst possible thing. It's more like a situation where he doesn't do the worst possible thing, but because he's not choosing the right thing, you know that it's going to stack up. And by the end of this character's arc, he's going to have to reconcile that every decision he's made has led him to this point, mm. which typically is how a character arc works. But this one is one of those movies where it's really testing your patience. I should create this list on Letterboxd already, but I have this sort of mental list of films called Exercises in Sympathy. And it's always a lead character who is sort of detestable or not someone you would ever say is really a good person, or maybe they're a challenging person. And the reason it's an exercise in sympathy is that if you can keep having positive feelings for them, so not necessarily that you like them, but say you're sad for them, that's a positive feeling. So empathy. I, I, I don't know really what it means. I feel inclined to say it means that you have a soft heart and that you're willing to connect with people you might disagree with. But I also know that like the point of it being an exercise is that it's very difficult. One movie in particular that I have to bring up because I'm here with Carter is Waves. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, because it's Classic one of Carter's movies. favorite movies. <laughs> but, yep, it's uh, my favorite, actually, Melvin. It's my favorite. It, it just became my favorite, so... Oh, <laughs> uh, which by the way, it, it, Carter Carter does not like waves. In fact, every time I watch it on Letterbox, he, he just <laughs> is like, "Why do you keep watching it?" I detest uh, this movie. But, <laughs> but one of the things about waves is that, like, the first half of the movie is just a constant exercise in sympathy. If you can care for the character in the first half of that movie, then you are a very kind and loving person who can probably reach out to anybody <laughs> because that is a hard movie to watch. You need, yeah, you need a lot of kindness. You need a lot of prayer going in that movie. Yes. Uh, at least I do. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, this is not like some sort of test to know if the person in, in the room is a kind person. Movies are just movies. <laughs> Even if we, me and Carter both really connect with movies, they are just that. They are movies. They're not our yep. worldview. Like, I think what makes this movie challenging for people to watch, because while I've seen positive reviews and positive thoughts for the film, there are some negative ones. It's not one of those cases where what Alan Yang is writing and trying to say is particularly clear. And so it can make it difficult to watch a film with a not detestable protagonist, but hard to watch protagonist. It can make it really hard to keep up with it. Me personally, I, I like movies like this. So I was in it for the long haul. I like that you are watching a character who is just fumbling and kind of choosing the wrong thing and never really surpassing <laughs> like bravery he's always sort of cowardly what i look forward to is in the end will he learn and so to me that i connected with well um and just found entertaining i know for other people it can be a stress in fact i, I posted about this on the syndoc facebook group which if you're not a part of everybody should be a part of I posted about this there and I had a friend of mine ask me about it. And I said, yeah, you might enjoy it. And he checked it out and he was like, man, he just, he just did the wrong thing all the time. And you know, <laughs> it was, it ended well, but it was just sad all the time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and so for him, he just didn't enjoy it. But for me, I did. So, so Melvin, quick, quick question for you. So did you, would you say that you, you enjoyed the process of seeing this character, you know, going from being, 
very selfish to a little less selfish by the end. Is that kind of where you're going with this? Yes. I think what's nice is that the film is very patient in getting you from point A to point B. This is a movie that takes its time. It doesn't worry about being too slow. And it's not a slow movie by any means, but there's just a lot of dialogue and a lot of patient periods. Yeah. And it recognizes that growing growing through something personal like that takes a lot of time. Our lead character, we keep jumping back from him older and has, has an older child in his life. And then jumping back to him as like a 25, maybe 28 year old. And the reason we keep having this jump is to show like, this is this person's character, this person's life. You can see where it started and you can see now where he's ended up. And when you take that into account that this is probably like 40, 50 some years of living this particular lifestyle, you know that by the end, it's not going to be a quick switch. Like this is something where he's now going to have to endure the difficulty of growing into a good person. And that is so much like real life. (laughs) Yeah. I'm only 24 and I'm still working through a lot of things. I mean, I have less years than this guy to work through and I still have to work through so many things that when I really put my head down to it, I go, wow, I think this is based off an experience I had as a child. I have let that experience or trauma become a defining factor of my worldview. And now as a 24 year old young man, I am living out in response to something that happened to me a decade and a half ago, especially from a Christian standpoint, you're now having to transition that life experience that has not only been defining to you, but has been the groundwork for how you live your life and how you trust people or not trust people. And going to scripture and saying, well, scripture is telling me to do something else. Scripture is telling me if I want to live my life, I actually have to put it in this worldview and in this context. And that is not something that happens right away. Mm -mm. God willing, it does happen to some people. And that's a joy and a blessing. There are plenty of people who you can take something like addiction. And the second they know Christ, it stops. And that is a blessing. And that is wonderful. And that is so cool. But the Lord works differently for different people. He is always the same, but how he interacts with you can be different. That can sound controversial, and I'm just not going to unpack it because (laughs) I'm just not going to. (laughs) One thing I wanted to to say to that too, Melvin, is like, I I think you're totally right. And I, I think that in that, you know, Christ shows his glory. You know, sometimes it's immediate. Other times it's after a long battle. But with that battle... You come out the other side and it's who gets the glory? It's Christ because he was the one who brought you through. He was the one who changed your heart. And now you can go share what you've learned with somebody else. You can go be a a planter in somebody else's life. And so just because of what the Lord has brought you through and you can be a, a, a sharp tool for the kingdom. So one thing that I was thinking too, Melvin, while we were watching that, while I was watching this is... You have the director, and and while I said I I wasn't really a fan of the main character, I think you brought up the the comparison of uncut gems. I would say with you know with Howard Ratner, he's despicable, right? Yeah, he's so bad. He's awful. <laughs> but I can't stop for for me and just seeing Adam Sandler at that level, giving it all, his all. 
it's it's almost like a train wreck you can't turn your eyes away from. This is like a this is like a corpse rotting. Yes, a corpse rotting. This is like those videos, those videos of like an animal. Like I think there's that classic tape of like a fox decomposing. It's like yeah. it's not as drastic as a train wreck. It's more like a natural thing where like it takes time, but you can tell that like the reason it's decomposed is because it died a couple of days ago. Yeah, and and I I think. You know, for me, that's just personally, I've never been a huge fan of characters like that. But the reason why this film worked for me is because you can feel the director and his sympathy, empathy with that main character. And if we know the background of the story, I listened to an interview from Alan and he was talking about how this is a loose uh, kind of story based on his parents and based on the sacrifices that his parents made. And so, you know... Do Alan didn't say it was directly his dad, but I'm sure that his dad might have had some of the same issues that this character does, that our main character does. But I loved how, even in spite of that, and I think this is very a very biblical thing. Alan was looking for the good things in him. He was looking for you know, consider others better than yourself, and even 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 if they are somebody like this character who's just so apathetic, who's so selfish, still saying like, wow, he did make a sacrifice. He made a sacrifice to come to America so that um, his mom could have a better life potentially. And then his, his kids after him. And um, you see that, you see that kind of, that also causes conflict, but I think kind of why this film really worked for me, I wouldn't say really worked for me, but did work for me. You know, it mm-hmm. was because of that director's sympathy on that pretty selfish main character you could feel it coming through a lot of that really comes through because he's teaching us about that character when you think about these things like in real life you start to see that people don't just do things yeah one of the things that i mention pretty often when when talking with christian brothers when we're talking through sins that we're struggling with or talking through trying to understand situations of other people is that most most sins are not impromptu. Most sins are something that you sort of work towards to. Here's here's kind of an example. People don't just stumble upon pornography. Yep. They search it out. They go to it. And usually there's like three steps that get you to that point. And so it's not just something that happens. Sins like that are usually a conscious effort. effort. And the first mistake would be to think that those things come out of nowhere. Now, why someone becomes comfortable in looking at pornography or any other sin? So you could just be like a, a, a fury and anger. Like I, I have a friend of mine who struggles a lot with anger. In fact, we there was a Super Bowl a couple of years ago that we were watching and he was getting so mad. And I like I proposed like maybe we should just turn this off. Like if it would be better for you to not be feeling like this way (laughs) to not stumble. Yeah. Yeah. Like we should just turn this off and we can do something that (laughs) will build you up and build us (laughs) up because it is never fun to watch someone be mad. Like it really just isn't, but that's something that comes from their past and something that they believe and they don't just do it because they just want to part of it can be just want to but that's like a systematic thing in their personal life to to just be like oh i just got really mad because he you know i just what else was i gonna do well like someone who doesn't struggle with anger will go well there were plenty of other things you could do (laughs) and those are things that come from 
a source. And when we watch a film like Tiger Tail, we are constantly jumping back to see that source. In fact, a lot of the transitions happen because we go back to see, well, why did he do that? Or why did he talk that way? Or vice versa, the scene that's in the past will jump into the future to show us the result of that. Like that's, that's effective. That's real. And I think, like you said, that's a sympathy to say, like, if Alan Yang is writing this from a set, like as a secondary source or primary source, because he's, you know, if he is writing about his parents or simply just writing about the experience of immigration, then it's a really kind and patient movie. Doesn't mean it's not (laughs) difficult at times. It's not as difficult as a, as a Safdie brothers film, but (laughs) Definitely one where like you really kind of have to sit back and think about what he's trying to say, what Alan Yang is writing. And he's definitely writing about like, this is why this is why some people struggle in this way. And then cross-referencing it to your own life and going, oh, maybe this is exactly why they do this. Or maybe this is exactly why this person said this thing. And I think that's what what one of the points that I really wanted to talk about with this review was immigration and first generation immigration, because I think it's very easy for people to, especially I I asked Carter this in the beginning, like before we recorded, because I just wanted to touch base, but like the two of us, a lot of our experience is, is not immigration at all. Carter said Mm. that he has a little bit of it, but it's not really, it doesn't sound like it's a particular defining trait in his experience. And then for me, like both of my parents just kind of grew up in this area as did their parents, as did their parents. So like, we don't, I don't have that experience at all of an immigration in our close immigration in my generation or not, I should say family tree. One of the things that's really big with Tiger Tail isn't that it's a character who, you know, we're going back into his past to learn about how he grew up to be the way he did. One of the big character things in this film is that he is an immigrant. He's coming from China to the United States. And very early on, his thing that he says is like, I'm going to go to the United States. I'm going to make a living and find a good job. I'm going to be able to send money back to my mom so that she's able to live better and not work at a factory that doesn't is not up to code or probably is i don't know about i guess it was like 60s or 70s china maybe 80 i don't know and melvin i think i think you hit on it what was that sacrifice i think the key there is you see the sacrifice too like that sacrifice being that he did marry he he married somebody who he didn't want to you know that was his ticket to America. So I thought that was yeah. interesting. If his belief, of course, is that if I can get to the United States and I can work a job, life will be better. And of course, that that is the experience of a lot of Im- immigrants is that when they can get to the United States, the, the land of promise, the American dream, if they can get it, then they can support their family. They can have their family come live with them. One of the things in this film is that our lead character wants to have his mom move to the United States with him. And those are hopes and dreams that people have. And then as the film unfolds, we start to see that like those hopes and dreams really aren't as easily attained as he might think or aren't attained at all. When they move in, they're very isolated. The job that he gets is not exactly a job that you can take to to move up the, the corporate ladder. <laughs> and then even his wife like this is set 
40, 50 years ago, his wife can't exactly find work. And then also she doesn't really know a lick of English at all. And so she's incredibly isolated when she go when she does work, she's actually finding more work to do to keep busy. One of the lines that I really, really thought was so honest and true is that she's so bored that she keeps splitting up the laundry so that she can take more trips to the laundromat so that she can see people. And it's not even talk to them, it's just see them. And you can go check out, like, I think Betty Friedan's book, The Feminine Mystique. And when she she basically wrote the book to do a study on, like, the woman experience, the motherly experience of, of like, 50s women. And, it like, you would find out that these women, because they weren't allowed to work or because of systematic oppression, they they were just finding extra work to do because they were so bored. There was nothing to do. Yep. And it's like... That is a real experience. How much more is it for people who can't even speak English? And 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 I and I think how much more for somebody who's not happy in a relationship as well. I mean, it, it's it's almost like a very arranged marriage. And you know, not not saying that those can't work, but this one clearly does not. They're totally different people, or. I would say to- have totally different worldviews. You you can have different tastes and likes, but you got to be coming from the same place. And it just doesn't seem like either the, either of them are on the same page. So you take those those struggles that women in that time experienced and you amplify it because these two it's it was really like a contractual thing. There's no love. It's and and I think you know you see the sacrifice and you see what this what what this soon to be dad did um and how he he did change the trajectory of his family his daughter now lives uh now will grow up in america and will have a good chance for monetary success but again at what cost you know and so i think i think there's a lot going on here where we do see that the character made a sacrifice and we do see that the director in the way that he tells his story is empathetic and and, and cares about this but also we see the the, the places where that bring into question at what cost, you know, he missed out on the love of his life on somebody who he would have been happy in, in, in marriage with. And, you know, would, would that have changed who he was today? You know, I, I, I believe that first and foremost, the only person who really changes us is Christ. But, you know, those, those are thoughts that I had while watching this movie. Like, I think the one thing that was done fairly well was how those, those things were balanced. We saw, Hey, th- this is the place where things could have gone well and this is the choice that the the main character made and these are the consequences good and bad yeah it's i think it's only amplified when you're an immigrant and the only person you know is somebody you don't love even i one one of the other things i thought about too is that we then we not only see the struggle of of an immigrant, we then see, as we've been mentioning, first generation, which usually means the child of the immigrant. And there's just a completely different experience that these two people will have. And one of the big things that can often happen is it amplifies generational issues Mm -hmm. because the older generation will be struggling with like, well, they can look into their past and say, I came from this country that Like I didn't have a free voice and in the worst cases was literally afraid for their life. And then coming to the United States and realizing that even though things are hard, they are better. And then they have a child who the only thing they know is the United, the culture of the United States, 
which has its own problems. Yep. It has problems. There are genuine problems here in the United States that are uniquely experienced by different generations, by different cultures. And when you have a, you now have a, if you're an immigrant, you now have a child, they are going to grow up in a totally different way with totally different defining characteristics. And this was something that I was also especially interested in. I did some reading. I was went to this one article on BuzzFeed News, which I can hear a collective groan from people, but BuzzFeed News can be can be good reading. And it's called The Burden of Being a First Generation Immigrant. It's a bit of a con, con, it's basically an excerpt from this particular writer, Nicole Dennis Ben's book, The Good Immigrant. I most connected with this one quote. So this is her writing about her, her the experience of moving into college. And so again, she's a first generation immigrant. Her dad had already come the, to the United States to find work and send money back home and then per, perhaps even stake a claim on some land so then they can all move move in with her. And so she's now at college and she writes, the rest of that first semester on campus was a blur. My roommate never showed up. So it was just me in my room. And again, she is this is this is her first experience here in the United States. She's not even with anybody. <laughs> and she says, I spent the financial aid money that was supposed to be for books on sheets, comforters, toiletries, and other things I need for my dorm. I drank soda and I ate pizza until I stopped eating altogether. I found a spot in the library where I could scribble poems about home inside my biology textbooks. I began to miss home, my family, my real friends. And though I was always feeling this way, I could never tell anyone. For how could one be sad in America? How could one complain about an opportunity to go away to college knowing they'd come out with a degree from an Ivy League, which would forever establish them in their own, in their new country? And I, it's just one of those cases where like, even like she's attending an Ivy League school, which is a big deal, but like things are statistically, or even I would just say on the surface, better. And yet she still feels terrible. She still feels alone. She doesn't even have enough money to get like the the things she's there for. She has to start from the ground up. And like, that's still a rough and hard experience. And that's a totally different experience to her dad, which she's writing about is came to the United States and to get his foot in the door has to work on building pools and doing odd jobs, which are functionally speaking, less profitable and less less of a building block to go on than going to an Ivy league school. And yet she's struggling through this experience and she goes, I'll just, I won't read the paragraph, but she goes on to say that like her, she was so enamored with like the depression and difficulty of all of this stuff that she ended up changing her major. And she went from like a doctorate major to like, like a medical major to like just creative writing and other things like that to which her, friends who were also all first generation immigrants or immigrants straight up were amazed at that because they were like, why are you making that decision? Don't you know, you're not going to make it anywhere. <laughs> and like, that's a unique experience that like, I just don't have to go through, yeah. but some people just don't think about things like that. And I think tiger tail really does a good job of building on the unique experience of immigrant immigration. And then the unique experience of first generation, because a lot of the drama is between the dad and his daughter. <laughs> so yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I think the key here is that both have issues, both have struggles, you know, and I think in this fallen world, it, you could live in Beverly Hills, but you're still going to have issues. I mean, it's it's unavoidable. And I think that, you know, while 
let's let's go with the daughter. Her issue might not be financial in the future. Um, the, the the issue would be well. What about the tension between her and her dad? Her, her dad might have some animosity towards her because she does have an easier, we could call it financial life than, than he might, uh, more more comfort growing up than, than he did. Um, but then you take the dad and his is more um, tactile on that. Yes, he's, he's coming. His struggle would be more financial. You know, his struggle would be how he was raised, but both have those struggles. And I think that, yeah, it it just shows that, you know, it, and, and I think looking at it biblically, like money does not solve the issue. Money can, yes. it's, it's a tool, right? It's, it's always a tool, but there will always be issues. There's, there will always be struggles. Um, it's, it's unavoidable in this fallen world. And, you know, who do we go to in those moments? And I think that we see this character, he kind of just retreats within himself. He, he doesn't want to face either the anger that he's dealing with or, the, the animosity, whatever it is, he doesn't want to face that. And so he retreats. And when we look at scripture, we see that, hey, we're, we're called to face those things head on by Christ's strength, you know, with, with Christ behind us and relying on him. Not, not that life is any easier for a Christian, but in Christ, he's made a way. He not only forgives us, but he, he frees us to walk in self-sacrifice to walk in selflessness you know and and i think what we see here is a character who is selfish and it might not seem like that it's like well he did bring you know he came over here he was seeking to help his mom yes that's true but i think that his selfishness takes a bit of a different form in that he he retreats he doesn't want to face the the hard issues the the, the tensions of life he, he might have thought that money could solve everything that that a better future in America could solve everything. And we see it just doesn't. I've had that uh, juxtaposition was fascinating. And we keep mentioning that like she wants, he wants to bring his mom over, but then like when things get stabilized and he calls his mom back home, like she's like, like I never wanted to move to the U S <laughs> she's like, yep. I would be leaving all my friends. I like where I work, even though it's horrible. Like I don't really mind this stuff. You're the one who wanted to get, like go to the United States. You're the one who wanted to do all these things. And that's another thing that I think is very real and honest for Im like immigrants is that they have this aspiration. And despite the promise that is being sold to them, either literally by Western culture, because this is a, about immigration to the US, literally, literally by Western culture or from the self, like if they are deluding themselves into believing like this is going to fix everything, this is going to make my life better. That that's a unique experience that isn't always going to be the same across the board. Like his mom just doesn't have that. And that is one of the notches of like his selfishness in the end is that like he went to the United States without really, really recognizing what his mom wanted and then he has to live with that because now he's in the United States. <laughs> it's too late. Sorry, bud. Yeah. And I think you see like, is it, he might not have said this, but subconsciously he's thinking, oh, if I make it to America, all my problems are gone. Right. And it's like, you know, some of them, they, they, they might change, but <laughs> they're not going to all be gone. Right. Where you're, you're still, your issue is not your surroundings. It's your own sin. It's, it's my sin, you know, and that goes with us wherever we go. And, that's why we need Christ. That's why he's the hope. I just think when we look at what Christ says in the word, you know, 
money doesn't not it's a tool at the end of the day it's a tool you know it's just clear like hey money and 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 worldly success that in america is defined by that when you talk to uh anyone who's outside of the country they think of success when they think of america i don't think that we always think of the the issues that come up with that the different kind of spiritual warfare that's experienced in america i i, I heard this crazy story melvin about uh some some missionaries who came from Iraq to America. And when they got here, they felt, they, they, they called it like the American lullaby. They felt lulled to sleep. They felt like their their faith with God had been dulled, or at least their walk. Wow. And so they went back back overseas because, um, yes, while, they, while there was more uh, material success here, they're, they're, there was, they were presented with different spiritual issues, you know, like a, a different environment that's more apathetic to God that's, you know, and I, I, yeah, I just think wherever you go on planet Earth, you're going to find some issue. It doesn't matter if it's America or, you know, and, and at the same time, we want to say we are so blessed to live in America. That's, you know, we're not bashing America at the same right. time. I mean, we're we're recording on Memorial Day. So yeah. I just want to be clear that that's not what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. So, so blessed to, to live in America. Yet, you know, that doesn't mean that. Um, life is going to be perfect here. We still face sin. We still face our fallen nature every single day. Um, and it's only by Christ that we can truly, you know, walk in, walk in freedom and, yeah, walk, walk in selflessness and not selfishness. Right. Well, it's one of those cases where the treatment of the United States for some immigrants is almost like this is you know, the coming kingdom. Heaven on earth. Like, yep. this is heaven. This is like, if I can make it here, then I'm good. But like, I think what is what's becoming acutely aware to first, second, and third generation immigrants, and then even just you and me being kind of in the same generation, is like I was born here, and it's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is not what our parents have taught us to believe. In in the worst of cases, this is not what the church has taught us to believe of the United States. Cause some people believe like some churches have the American flag in their church next to, I guess the Christian flag. I don't, I don't know why Christianity has a flag, uh, but <laughs> it's one of those weird cases where like, even though we are distanced from that, because that was very much a cold war rhetoric, it was communists or atheists in the United States and, and uh, capitalist or Christian, but, it's one of those cases where like people have been deluded into thinking the United States is the coming kingdom. Like this, this is the new Israel. And they won't say that because they know with scripture, there is a coming kingdom, but the treatment of the United States can be like, if you're here, you've made it. And it's like, it's just not true. Like it's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, what, what a sad thing if it was, you know, what a sad thing it would and, be. And at the same time, like, the whole time we recognize how blessed we are in America, but you know, yeah. It, what a sad thing if this was the new, the new earth, if this was the, the kingdom come because it's still so <laughs> fallen. It's still so, it's so, so ravished. fallen. And, and, and it might not seem like that because we have a, a, a glaze of material wealth on it. I mean, the, the poorest person here is wealthier than a good chunk of the world. Um, and, it, it, like when you look at that data, it's it's pretty crazy. Yet still, we face sin. We face so it's not a pity party, but it's just saying like this is not this is not our home. You know, America is right. not the kingdom. Right, it's the kingdom of God, and 
that's what we strive for. That's what we, yeah, that's, that's, that's our hope. Not, not America. Yeah. So, so Melvin, I know that we had talked about um, kind of our, our own experience with immigration and obviously we, we are not um, personally, we personally not experienced that, but we know people who did. I, I know you were talking about how at your high school, you had a, a large um, a- Asian population there and, you know, I, I was just wondering if you could speak to that and, and really how as Christians are we supposed to um, treat immigration? How are we supposed to look at it? Not through the American worldview, but through the Christian worldview. Yeah, so that that's a good question. Um, I went to a Christian school. I went to a private Christian school for my high school years. It was it was a good experience. I don't know if I necessarily look too fondly on it, but it was a good experience. I learned a lot. In fact, a lot of what I know now is because of going there. But unfortunately, the thing about teenagers is that they're kind of the worst. And I'm saying this as someone who's pretty close to being a teenager. Like I'm 24. I'm still very millennial. I'm still very I'm, – I'm actually on the cutoff to like Gen Z. So like I still have a lot of connection to their experience. So I don't say that in the in – the, I say it as a joke. I don't mean it seriously if there's any teenage listeners. You guys are cool. You guys have your own struggles. It's fair. When I was at this school – one of the things I experienced and witnessed was that we had a lot of Chinese uh, students who immigrated in, and I don't know if it was specifically for school. I believe it was. And they would sometimes go home during the summer to visit their family and then come back for the school year. And what was really hard to witness was the fact that solely because they didn't, and this is my assumption that it truly was only because they didn't know English well, they were treated very poorly by other students in the school. They were treated like they were stupid because they didn't know how to say certain words or phrases. People weren't patient with them when they would try to finish something or answer a question. And like, it just was really hard to witness. And I will not take myself out of the equation, but I will say just, and this is not to be big headed or butter myself up. I largely don't remember participating in any of the teasing. In fact, I remember talking with these students a lot and getting to know them a lot. And I was actually really good friends with one of them. But it was one of those experiences where like I was a teenager and so I wasn't really equipped to know how to respond to people bullying other people as most teenagers are. Teenagers typically don't know how to respond to bullying, nor do they know what to do when someone else is being bullied. Teenagers are just typically the people doing the bullying. So I didn't really know what to do. And and that's my fault. Like I should have probably brought it up to my parents or prayed about it or things like that. But it was one of those experiences where like in a Christian school that was very good, like the teachers were great and the things that were taught there, the mission statement, all that stuff, very good. And yet this was still taking place all because what they didn't know English that well, like you can't fault them for that. <laughs> it's, it's English as a second language. Uh, and even thinking about Catherine and I have a friend of ours that we know, and this is now that is an immigrant. And I believe they just kind of got into the area and English as a second language. In fact, in fact, in this particular case, it's English as a third language. And one of the things that this person struggles with is fe- worrying that people think, that they're stupid because they don't know English well. And yet in reality, where they're from, they worked a very prolific job. They, I mean, they know three languages. That's a big deal. But where they're from, like one of the other things is that they didn't need to drive. 
where they were from because they just cars aren't that prolific. And now they're living in an area where transportation is a big deal and public public transportation really isn't all that popular. Now, thank goodness Uber is something that exists, Uber and Lyft. Of course, that's also debatable. Maybe that isn't a thank goodness, but <laughs> it's still a thing where like this cultural shift is something they're struggling with right now. And you asked me like as Christians, what should we do with this? And that is a heavy question. I don't know. I think though, what you need to recognize is that they're an image bearer. And if they're Christian, that their their sins are paid for in Christ. And if they're not an image bearer, I'm sorry, of course they're an image bearer. If they're not a Christian right now, that the Lord might take them and make them his at some point. And so as Christians, we can't look at them as not American, which for, first off, <laughs> let me say it this way, because I think it's funny that we always say American, but that includes Canada and Mexico. <laughs> for, like, first off, we shouldn't look at them as not a citizen, like not a born and bred citizen of the United States. We need to look at them as image bearers. Second off, we need to see them as intelligent people with intelligent experiences. Tiger Tail shows us that this person went through these very real, honest things in their life. But then when they moves to the United States, he's at behind the counter of like a like a, a mini mart. And like it's easy to see someone behind the counter of a mini mart and think less of them. Yeah. But like the reality is like they are a real person with real experiences and intelligence and yeah, stuff like that. And, and you don't see the sacrifices that they've made to get to that point uh, to, to, to see where they came from, which was way worse monetarily, you know, at least how they were compensated to now. I mean, this is a they're, they're on their way to making a great life for themselves compared to where they they, they were. And I think, yeah, man, I, I, I think. One thing, you know, for, for me personally, growing up in a pretty conservative area, sometimes those things can get, can get jumbled. And I think that all, remembering that there's a difference between um, kind of government policy, but also how we are called, how we as Christians are called to treat all people, you know, whether they're here legally or illegally, all of us, you know, America was is, is a place of immigrants. And so remembering that, but remembering even more than that. In Christ, we're called to just, to love everybody. The skin color does not matter, and and Christ says that His kingdom will be made up of all the nations of the earth. You know, like that, and and that is such a, a beautiful image of, you know, yeah, there might be cultural major cultural differences that you come across, but if you have a brother, I mean, you can still be kind to someone who's an image bearer in Christ. But if you have a brother or sister in Christ who maybe comes from a completely different culture. Praise God for that. I mean, because even 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 with the the kind of disunity we still see in the church, and that's that's just the sinful nature of man. But I know that you know Christ. Christ is that unifying factor that it it doesn't matter what culture you come from. Um, and like you said, Melvin, anybody Christ can can save anybody. So Carter, then I shared my thoughts and what I think like when it comes to the Christian response to the difficulty of immigration and then even second generation immigration and stuff like first and second generation immigration. What do you, what do you think about as Christians? What is your experience with it? Have you witnessed Christian areas or, or Christian cultures that have maybe 
not ha- that have per- responded poorly to it? And then what do you believe is the solution? Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, so. I, I also went to a private Christian school growing up. I, I went through from first through 12th grade. And, you know, I would, I would say that, that it's funny because we actually had a foreign exchange student stay with us for two years. Her name, her name was Jung Won uh, from South Korea, and she was great. She was, it was awesome to have her as a fan, as a sister for two years. But, and, and she got along really well with people. She was really social and people, you know, really loved her and loved hanging out with her, which was so cool to see. So I even had... And even at my school, you know, kids who had either moved from overseas or or, or who were, um, you know, on some foreign exchange product, they were always treated very well, uh, which was always encouraging to me. But I know that's not always the case. And there was still bullying, you know, like it might not have been towards the immigrants, but it, it might have been more towards just the uh, the kid who might not always say the thing, the right thing at the right time. But either way, it's, you know, still bullying. And, so I think ultimately the solution is, is always Christ. What does is, what is he have to say? He knows the best way he created us and he knows the best way we're to live. So coming back to then Tiger Tail, do you feel like Tiger Tail is a almost like a good stepping stone as Christians for us to see a bit of a picture, an image of what it's like for immigration so that if a Christian who doesn't have any interaction with immigrants or, or just non-speaking, non-English speaking individuals, um, do you feel that watching this movie could be insightful for somebody like that? Oh, definitely. Definitely, Melvin. Like, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I listened to an interview from Alan Yang. I don't, I don't think he knows Christ, but either way, this is such a great tool to as he empathizes with the main character, we can empathize with the main character and, and see like the, the struggles of coming over. See, and it's not a, just a simple thing, you know, to pick up everything and move to a, a different place. And so I think it's huge, you know, like this, this is not a bad thing that there's more empathy that at least me after seeing this, I can experience more empathy. Is this a movie as a movie itself? Is this a movie that I'll ever watch again? Probably not. But I enjoyed it and I I really felt like it was a nice, you know, kind of like vanilla ice cream um, sundae. You know, there's there's a lot of good things in it. Um, The music is I think the score is really special. But at the same time, you know, I I don't think I would ever watch it again. Yet still, I think it was effective in what it was going for. It really did drive home that empathy. You know, even even for a character who was fairly selfish, I still felt that empathy. And that's what that's what will stick with me going forward from Tiger Tail. I think I completely agree with you. It's one of those cases where it's it's an effective movie that does its job well. And therefore, if someone were to try and if somebody uses film kind of like how we do, where it's like it can be helpful in understanding different people and worldviews and cultures, then this is a good one to recommend. Not even ignoring the fact that it's on Netflix and pretty much everyone has Netflix. So you can just pop it open because it's you're already paying for it. And it's one of those cases where you will learn a lot about, it can be the first stepping stone to learning more about immigration and learning more about the unique struggles of it. Because as a Christian podcast, we can assume that most of our listeners are in some cases very politically inclined, and usually that's on the right. 
And so <laughs> keep going down that path and you find out a lot of these people are very opinionated about immigration. And that's more policy and that's more almost like distanced from actual real people. And I think this is one of those films where it can kind of challenge this faceless, non-realistic perspective, or I should say faceless, non-empathetic perspective to the unique struggles of immigration. Yep. And so I think, yeah, I think it's a very, I think it's a very good stepping stone for that. I also think it would be a very good double bill to do with The Farewell. The Farewell is a much better movie. I agree. And it, and you got Zima in there too. Yeah, Zima is in both, and and it's a uh, it's just such a good cultural clash of a movie because both of them are uh, English speaking immigrant and first generation culture films set in China, and they're both really great at kind of giving you a different perspective of how people think, and then ultimately how a first generation or second generation uh, immigrant struggles with being like you know, wh- who am I? Am I Chinese or am I, am I English? And I, and, and I think that film is at its best, Melvin, when it, it acts as like a time machine or a teleportation device, you know, and I think this did both. Yeah, we're going in the past, into the past of this character's life, but we're also seeing, okay, what is it like now? And it teleports us, you know, it's, it's something that we, we wouldn't be able to experience on our own because we're not <laughs> Chinese American. We don't come from, we're not first generation Chinese immigrants or, you know, or, or even the, the original immigrant. And so I think it's just, it teleports us into their, into to somebody like that psyche. We, we get to see, okay, what is it actually like? And then also at the time travel element of seeing, okay, what led them to this? What, what, what in their past has led them to this point right now? And so, yeah, I, I think that's film at its best. And I think, yeah, I, I, I you know, it's, again, this is not, a movie I'll be popping on every Friday night, but it's something that <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that that was effective enough in in teleporting me and taking me back in time as well. Right. It's not it's not waves. I know you're not putting it on every Friday night because you put on waves every Friday night. Exactly. <laughs> I, I put that on every day, actually. So. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine, and thanks so much to Carter Bennett of Film Junkie Reviews for joining me on this international journey. And be sure to check out Carter Bennett's Instagram, at Film Junkie Reviews. The popular movie review Instagram you can follow for reviews of recent, classic, and favorite films, all from a Christian worldview. Saved by grace, Carter's ready to tackle the themes and messages, no matter what the film. Now, if you've seen Tiger Tail, what did you think of it? Do you feel this movie is a good representation of the immigrant experience, or was this movie deservedly ignored on Netflix when it came out? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below, or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down. So the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss or review on the podcast. You also gain access to the Sindoc Pre-Show, the upcoming Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. 
There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who supported the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All of this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.